Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast, special edition, West Day One Report. I'm Ward Carroll, the Director of Outreach and Marketing, and joining me is the other usual suspects, the Proceedings Editor-in-Chief, Bill Hamlet, and the Co-Director of Outreach, retired Fleet Master Chief, Paul Kingsbury. Hello, boys. How are you doing? Great. Fantastic. So the great day, first day. Yeah, it was a great first day. The day kicked off with uh, a sort of an unorthodox uh, presentation by the CNO, uh, beaming in from the Navy Yard of all places, um, with the exception of a little wind noise. It was a, a pretty interesting uh, presentation that he gave, and it included him sort of asking that we change the theme of the conference, right? right. Instead of thinking about great power competition, it's he, he said, you know, we should change this to what are we doing about it? What are we doing now? We are because, you know, the Navy and the Marine Corps and the Coast Guard are doing things. And so he wanted to focus on that. Less passive. Make it less less passive. passive. I think that's very cool. Less thinking about, well, in the future, we're going to do this. No, 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 (laughs) no. We're doing it right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought that was great. And uh, and then that carried on into the the first uh, panel discussion uh, that that I got to at least introduce the moderator. Admiral Zortman retired. former air boss, and uh, so that was essentially the warfare commanders, if you will, uh, information warfare, air warfare, uh, we had Admiral Boxall, N95 uh, for the surface warfare, we had uh, Subpack, Admiral Cottle, we had Admiral Green, Naval Special Warfare Command, uh, and then we had uh, General Wartman uh, from uh, the Marine Corps, Quantico, talking about the Marine Corps side, uh, and that panel was all about what are they doing to deliver lethality and readiness to the fleet now and and they so all what had, were the takeaways yeah what they were all, some of the high points you know they they all were focused you know very much on uh continuing to get out of the readiness uh slump that the navy and, and the marine corps had been in right uh so you know continuing to put focus on you know spare parts and training and um optar and you know making sure you know ship availabilities all those things and, and that sounded like uh, a, a success story over the last couple of years as a result of pumping lots of money into, you know, particularly maintenance, right? So kind of coming out of that bathtub of, of readiness, more upjets, more ready, era, you know, ships and submarines. Uh, and then, you know, the conversation was all about, you know, preparing for the high-end fight, focused on, the, you know, with the national defense strategy, the focus on China and Russia as pure competition, uh, and it was, you know, it was interesting. I mean, it was some things that clearly in the classified realm that they couldn't talk about, but they sort of hinted at multi-domain warfare. Uh, Admiral Caudle, the submarine uh, commander, sub-pack commander, I liked his comments a lot. He essentially said, look, the, the submarine force, we have got to be ready on day one. It, you know, learning from lessons from World War II, where the submarine force was not ready on day one, and it took a couple of years to really uh, increase their lethality during warfare. And he said, we are focused on being ready on day one for a high-end fight. And, you know, he talked about uh, the command command course, about putting, uh, you know, commanders, new commanders, prospective commanders of submarines through a very demanding course and think, you know, getting them thinking about O plans and about their contribution to to the high-end fight. So it was great. I thought across the board, all of them uh, just uh, presented their thinking about, hey, we are, you know, we're focused on this every single day. 
Um, and you know, it's good, good panel discussion. Yeah, very cool. Yep. And um, I think uh, I think that's reassuring, right? Because you hear very. a lot in the press about yeah. you know yep. a lot of cynical, hey, are we ready? Are we this questioning attitude? But uh, not just you know, I, I attended one panel, but to hear these kind of discussions is they're focused on this, right? So yeah. Um, and to your point, there's a lot they can't talk about. So uh, I don't think we should lose confidence or capability I, to I'm, prevail. I particularly loved the general uh, General Wortman for uh, the Marine. Uh, he talked a lot about how the Marine Corps, you know, has spent 17 years in, the, in, you know, in the sandbox, Iraq and Afghanistan, and now getting back to their naval fleet marine force, amphibious routes, thinking about warfare with the Navy, from the Navy, at sea, uh, and, and very much focused on capabilities where, and he said this a, a couple times, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he said, you know, Marine F-35s, uh, for, for example, will be part of the ISR for Navy platforms to shoot, or Navy platforms will be part of the ISR and the sensing for F-35s to take a shot. Uh, you know, it's very much integrating Marine Corps capabilities in with Navy capabilities for a high-end fight. It was, it was, that was very, very f- refreshing. It's not just, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna ride on the amphibs until you take us to the fight and then, you know, we'll, we'll disembark and we'll go do what we do ashore. Now, it was very much integrated fires, Navy, Marine Corps, and, uh, they're thinking about, uh, anti-surface warfare, which is really interesting, right? For the Marines to be thinking about how they're gonna, uh, integrate into the Navy's fight against an adversary ASUW capability. What that's in, yep. in my my career is revolutionary. I got a lesson in the value of folks um, displaying their wares here at West. I escorted uh, Secretary Schaefer. Um, for a very brief period uh, that he had some dead time, he wanted to go uh, meet some of the folks who were uh, who were displaying uh, their uh, their stuff here. And so we wound up, and he was particularly interested in in the cyber uh, organizations. So um, we talked to Cisco and Symantec. I, I dare say both of those organizations had their act together. So this was a no notice pop quiz, where here's the guy ready begin. Again, these neither of these uh, companies have paid for this endorsement, but uh, they seriously had their act together. And so for that, they were invited uh, to uh, basically send him an email that, that itemized what they were talking about. And potentially they're going to get invited to a red team thing that's going to happen up around Fort Meade. So, again, if you're a, a, a defense contractor and you just happen to be listening to the show and you're wondering, what are we going to do next year? around February, I would recommend that you make your best effort to be present at, at West. Um, and again, this is just indicative of what happens when you hang out with the Naval Institute, right? So that was very cool. And then that segued into lunch. And so uh, we had a cool thing happen once again this year, um, our exceptional sailor program. And Paul, you ran that this year. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so clearly, uh, you know, obviously my highlight for the day. So uh, enlisted superior performer, recognized about all the 50 or 60 so, um, primarily sailor of the year candidates uh, from the local area. Uh, we'll do that over the next few days, but uh, got to highlight the capabilities, you know, and, and you know, there are these sailors represented or nominated get, you know, an, a year membership to USNI and AFSIA. You know, not only getting the chance to, like I said, so a lot of them sail the year, that process is kind of clearly ongoing right now. It's very down and in for Navy, but the opportunity to, that was a huge, what, a thousand plus people at that luncheon today. So to have the opportunity to have all those sailors stand and be recognized and speak just a little bit on the capability of, 
of modern enlisted uh, sailor uh, is cool. And then to hear Undersecretary Modley get up and speak, right, kind of big talk and challenges, which once, once again can be unsettling, but hey, you got you to gotta talk through that unsettling stuff first. So, uh, And then afterwards, I get to huddle the team, explain to them, hey, here's the Naval Institute, here's what this whole thing is, this whole AFCA West. You know, most hadn't heard of us, but after that 10-minute discussion with them, they got it. So I was able so to he kept referring to, to himself as the Navy's what, what? chief management management officer, yeah, the CMO, yeah, yeah, right? right. By, by law, the yeah. undersecretary of the Navy is the chief management officer of the Navy. Yeah, so this is Undersecretary Modley, who spoke at lunch. I was really impressed with him. So uh, he, he was a former helicopter pilot. Then he went into industry. He worked in the department for some time, 15 years ago or so. I uh, worked for Price Waters, I think, or Price Waterhouse yeah. uh, for, for some period of time. We're really doing some corporate name dropping on this show. He, yes. he, uh, uh, but he, he's in, in charge of a lot of the business practices right, yeah. of, of the Navy. But his presentation, I mean, you... you it's it, kind of a grab bag of, it, of concepts. Sort and, of concepts and, and, and factoids. and he Keywords. Took, yeah, it was, he had the simplest PowerPoint presentation I may yes. have ever seen, right? Yeah. Black background, white words, yeah. and the words would pop up. But yeah. it was very powerful. Yeah, and good. And it, it you know, really grabbed your imagination. He talked about the threat. He talked about China, Russia. Uh, he talked about some of the industrial problem uh, issues we've got. You know, there were some key, um, you know, industrial capabilities in the United States that were down to one producer. We're down to one company that yeah. makes big gun barrels, for example, uh, for the that Navy. That was eye-watering. One, right? Yeah. There's yeah, one yeah. company that makes the propellant, uh, the, the chemical propellant that's That in makes them. propellers and screws for ships. Yes. Yep. One, one company, company that makes... Yeah, shafts oh my God. that makes propeller shafts yeah. for Navy ships and submarines. Uh, and, and so, you know, the dwindling of the defense industrial base yes. over the last 30 years after the Cold War came out, you know, loud and clear. And, and that's clearly a problem, right? Well, and, and so the, the other lesson here as we talk about, you know, people complain about how big the defense budget and the, the numbers in the NDA are like $724 billion and your average bystander will be, wow, that's way too much. These companies operate, in some cases, on very tight margins. So sequester hamstrung a lot of these tier two and tier three companies, right? And so this is a readiness issue. This isn't just a, oh my God, the fat cats took it in the shorts, who cares? This is a fundamental readiness issue. So I thought uh, Mobley's presentation was really, really on point. And the other thing that he did was very cool. He started with sort of theory, but he tied it off with what are we doing about it? And I thought that was really great at the end to say, okay, look, this isn't just me you know, uh, uh, spouting off about uh, these these high high lofty concepts. This is look. This is what we're doing. You know, in some cases, he was very candid about. I don't. I'm not comfortable where we are. I don't think this is great. You know, and again, this is the benefit of attending West. People feel very comfortable in the room, and they're willing to just kind of go off script and talk very extemporaneously about about concepts and whatnot. So, once again, that was a very powerful keynote speech. Yeah, it, it, sort of an a boring on the face topic accountability and audit right so the dod and the navy having their first ever audit uh and senator mccain pushing for that a couple of years ago um and and one of the examples that he gave was that uh you know that when they 
did this first audit, they realized that there was property that they was not accounted for in any of the Navy's systems. They had buildings that they that weren't numbered, buildings yeah. that weren't even accounted for, and they found a warehouse here in San Diego <laughs> that had twenty four million dollars worth of F eighteen. F-14, which is no longer even in the inventory, E-2. and E-2 parts, right, right? Right. And so there were spare parts that weren't They'd been even- cannibalizing right. other airplanes for these yeah. parts. Right, because they didn't know where they were. They weren't in the system. They weren't That's accounted unsigned. for. And so this is the kind of thing he said, look, you know, it may sound like, you know, somebody's business practice getting, you know, getting our, our arms around better business practices sort of sounds kind of boring, but- everything that he talked about, he tied to lethality, right? So those spare parts that were sitting in a warehouse that nobody even knew about, you know, those went directly, as soon as they knew about it, went directly into E-2s and F-18s to bring down jets up, you know, make them up jets. Um, And, you know, that tied into the the, the war fighting, the panel this morning, where they were talking about, uh, Admiral Miller, the air boss, was talking about having a goal of having 80% up jets across the flight line, you know, in naval aviation. And a few years ago, it was about 50%. So if you're going to be ready for pure competition, high-end warfare, you've got to be ready on day one. You can't be, well, okay, now, now we'll buy the parts and we'll build the jets and we'll get the jets ready and we'll do the training and then we'll go to war. No, no, you've got to have up jets, a significant number of up jets now, today, every single day, and you got to prioritize that. So... Uh, yeah, I was very heartened by all the speakers because they're, it, it seems to me that they've, they've gotten religion on what the threat is. The, the NDS, so a number of them mentioned the national defense strategy and its specific, you know, tie into pure competition, high end warfare. China, Russia explicitly called out as a focusing feature, right? That has brought all of their attention on, hey, if if this, whatever we're doing, right? Whatever line of effort we're, and Modley said this too, whatever line of effort we're doing, uh, if it is not contributing to that lethality and readiness, let's not do it. Let's stop doing it. Yeah, that's a, I think focus is a good word to use sort of as the overall theme. So that's, the next thing that we did was uh, your witty panel, Bill. Um, you had... Um, uh, a whole bunch of different warfare specialties. It was super interesting. In fact, that is going to be a, an episode of the podcast uh, at some point. So uh, subscribers, uh, you will be hearing uh, that in detail. Um, but let's talk about the highlights of that. Yeah, so we had uh, two helicopter pilots, one uh, surface warfare, WTI. We had an information warfare uh uh, community uh, WTI, and we had a gentleman who uh, is not a WTI, but is from the uh, Expeditionary uh, Combatant Command, CB, CBZOD, yeah. etc., right? Uh, and all talking about, um, you know, where the Warfare Tactics Instructor Program is going in terms of, uh, you know, helping develop lethality, increase tactical proficiency in their specific warfare realm. Uh, you know, the information warfare community is the, the newest one, and they've only produced a couple, you know, a handful of, of uh, WTIs. A um, couple of helicopter guys who are, you know, based in Fallon. Yeah, uh, one of them is the son of former Navair, who's a classmate of mine. How old do I feel? Yeah. Um, I actually knew him from growing up in St. Mary's County. Um, very sharp, uh, no doubt, yeah. uh, guy. And right. he was on point with some of the stuff that they're doing there in Fallon. 
very super interesting. Actually, a, a motivating panel. You know, the youth is not waiting for no. you know the old old guard to tell them what to do. Right. You know, the future is bright. Right. Uh, you know, they're they're seriously problem solving. It's not just a, a a complaining session. You know, they're teeing up issues and they are also teeing up potential solutions. You right. Know? Right. So the SWO talked about, you know, using the surface warfare. Advanced Tactical Trainer SWAT, which is a unit-level training evolution for, uh, you know, for ships, uh, and the the op four that they're presenting there, the tactics that they're developing, the um, and, and you know, building off of what they do out at Top Gun and and in, in Fallon, you know, very explicit, detailed-level debriefs with time to think and then plan for the next evolution the next day, incorporate what they learned today, uh, and he he said. Um, they're, you know, they're picking really qualified people for the program and they're picking, uh, you know, the, the, the CEOs are, uh, you know, they're, you know, you got lieutenants embarking on ships uh, and evaluating and then providing feedback to ship CEOs, which is, you know, speaking truth to power, right? That's a great example of, you know, hey, you got a lieutenant out there and he's going to be debriefing, you know, commanders or, or captains uh, on, hey, sir, here's how you did on this. You did, you know, here's the pluses, here's the eh, and here's the downs, yeah. right? Uh, Again, that's the, that's the Swifty Top Gun model. It is, right? it very I, much I've is. I've seen yep. that, and those, that's why it's hard to be a Top Gun instructor or a WTI, because of that exact phenomenon. And, and as some of these fledgling communities come online, this is why you better have your best and brightest, because there is sort of a professional standing. It's fragile. So if you get in some CEO's face and you don't have your act together, you're going to get crushed. And that's going to ruin the credibility of the entire WTI cadre in that community. So everything I saw today, we're in good shape with respect to who has been selected to be WTIs. Agreed. Uh, super impressive bunch. Yeah. Awesome. And then we just got down from the uh, award winners. Uh, uh, Paul, what do you see up there? Some of the folks that uh, actually some of our podcast guests we yep. we met for the first time. Um, pretty so, cool stuff going on up yep. there at the award ceremony for the Copernicus or Copernicus rather yep. uh, award. Good mix, right? Uh, across enlisted, across officer, um, across services, right? So a good spread there. Got to meet the uh, first place winner of the enlisted essay prize contest, um, Coast Guard BM. I think she's a BM two, I believe, or second class petty officer. Petty, yeah, petty so, officer, second class. Uh, it was good. I like to, you know, whenever they publish, I like to send a note. But it's it's particularly important to meet them in person and and kind of yeah. Uh, well, yep. again, especially with Paul's uh, initiatives that he's or is heading in terms of the enlisted outreach and sort of having the enlisted uh, population, the enlisted community, all ranks, all rates, conceive of the Naval Institute as yep. their forum. Absolutely. You know, the knock on us has always been, oh, it's old guys and it's officers. And um, that's not it, especially with this emerging. Well, it's not emerging. It's existed for some time now. But, Paul, you and I commented on this yep. when we were up in Newport um, and we saw it. It's, it's you know, these these folks are better educated, more articulate, better read, better written than any enlisted community that we've had to date. Yep. So we, we've invested in that, right? This isn't just like, hey, I came out of high school that way. That's a part of it, right? So I think through uh, the generation is definitely more aware and informed through social media and, and IT access they've had. But we've invested in leadership and management develop. You know, as the Navy's become more technologically advanced, it requires you to invest more and raise your standards, right? So we bring in a higher standard and then Navy college program. Yeah, that's an investment. Some look at it as a retention tool. I'm like, no, that's kind of a, 
you know, I see as an investment in capability and education. So I want to harvest that. So that's part of it is when I have the discussion with them is like, um, Hey, you know, welcome to the Naval Institute. There's a sphere of influence, right? Um, like I talked to the group after lunch and said, uh, you heard that, you know what I mean, from undersecretary today, pretty heavy stuff. Um, and when we don't get that right, who feels it? So all the hands go up. They feel it right at the, at the tactical, at the deck plate level. Um, and often they're frustrated because they don't feel sometimes there's a way to get and vet that up. Maybe their chain of command doesn't translate it or they feel they can't. So introducing them to the, the forum of the Naval Institute um, provides another opportunity. And that's what got me writing was even as a command mass chief, there was times where I felt frustrated like, hey, this, you know, I, I tend to not know absolutes, but I have a strong feeling when I think things need to be uh, changed. So it gave me an opportunity to write. So it's great to be able to introduce them to that, encourage them to that, and then reward them when they do do it because they are setting the example for their peers. Yeah, I mean, when you un- uh, harness and unlock the power of the independent forum of the Naval Institute, um, then you really become a change agent. Again, regardless of rank, regardless of branch of service, and regardless of, of rate um, or warfare especially. And that's what we saw. It's very cool for, for us as well as we host the podcast. We got to meet some of the folks that we've done phoners with. Um, and uh, it's kind of cool to connect the dots and uh, put a face to the voice. Um, and that's a lot of fun for us. And it's, uh, it's not just... It's not just the officer enlisted divide, but, you know, generationally, it's that younger generation, whether it's witty, whether it's young, you know, enlisted professional, this generation wants to make a difference, right? They want to contribute. They want to make things happen. So once again, we're seeing, we're seeing that being unleashed. Yeah. So you can probably hear in the background, uh, since we got our Gucci new mics that pick everything up, there's some uh, receptions going on, so we got to be moving on here. So this is our day one wrap-up. We'll be looking to post uh, a uh, episode of the podcast each day. Um, so if you're out here for West, please come by the VIP lounge and say hello to Bill, me, and, and Paul. While we're here, we'll be walking the floor and we'll be around. We'd love to meet you. As we say... Victory begins at the Naval Institute. We'll talk to you tomorrow.